0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Day 2 of Gamescom here on IGN. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. We're opening today's show with my absolute favorite podcast, Game Scoop. But first, (laughs) later on today, you look forward to seeing more of Little Nightmares 2 and The Medium, right now, is on to the scoops. Joining me today is Tina Amini. Hello. Sam Claiborne. Hey, everybody. And Justin Davis. Scoop. Scoop to you all. We have a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about... Who Sony has deemed worthy of pre-ordering a PlayStation Five. We've got new details on Lord of the Rings Gollum. But first, new that's two. But first, yeah, buts first. I like that.
1: And I gotta say that was a
0: great read. You're doing a great job, Damon. Thank you. Thank you. I was very nervous. Uh, <laughs> new rumors. Actually, let's go, let's go this route. Rumors about a new uh, version of the Switch, the Nintendo Switch, are not new. But new rumors have surfaced this week. Uh, this is according to a report from Economic Daily News. EDN, uh, the new version of the Switch is set to launch at retail first quarter 2021, early next year. Report claims to be informed by sources in the console's supply chain. Says the new version of the Switch will feature improved interactivity and a better quality display. Um, like I said, the rumors about this sort of thing are not new. Tina, what's your read on this one? How how likely is this to come to pass?
2: You might say they're renewed rumors, Damon. Mm-hmm. Um because you're right, it's been uh, kind of like a a suspicion for a while and it would not be outside the norm of um of what Nintendo could do in terms of making sure they're sustaining the life cycle of the Switch. I know a lot of people wanted a Pro Switch. There's obviously a lot of conversation around the power not exactly being um, up to speed in terms of the current generation, and especially as we're entering in the next generation, it's kind of being more becoming more important for Nintendo to make sure that they can step up on a graphical level, um, as well as the convenience level, because there's so many gamers that love the option of having to play their game on Switch rather than PS4 or, or the Xbox, because mm-hmm you can just take it around with you. It's, it's, it's incredibly flexible. So if they are able to increase up to like 4K support, for instance, I think that's gonna be the kind of thing that brings them a little bit up to speed in, as we head into the next generation.
0: Now, Tina, you sound a little quiet on my end. I don't know if there's anything uh, you can do on your end or Chris, who's our uh, TD working behind the scenes, maybe he can work on that. Um, but uh, to get some more views on this, Sam, I believe you've said uh, very recently that you don't think we even need a new version of the Switch. Is that still true?
1: Yeah, so what I think now is that I, there, there's probably a good reason that the new Switch is going to happen no matter what. Like, I, I think like there are parts of that Switch that are three or four years old that are harder to get now than new parts that are better. Hmm. So Hmm. We're going to, you know, like if there's like, that's what's funny when you brought up the supply chain part of this, like if they're actually going to keep on making switches and remember, it's hard to get a switch right now. Yeah, that's a problem, right? So if they want to get more people switches, they might need to change that up. And if they're going to do that, they might as well upgrade it. So the screen is more definition as new processor. Those are like two easy things to kind of go for. And then battery is the other one. Right. Uh, But those two are interesting because I think that switch is nice when it can pace. Uh, along with having the things, things like uh, The Witcher and uh, Witcher Three, and um, and uh, contemporary games on it like Doom. Um, if it can't do Cyberpunk, if it can't do the things mm. that are still like current generation, but are coming at the end of this generation, mm. then I think that's a problem. And that that's where I'd like be like, okay, well, if I'm really if I'm really being honest with myself, I would love to play Cyberpunk on my Switch. I know it'll look worse. <laughs> I don't care. It's a giant RPG that I'd want to like just veg out in bed and play. You know.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin,
0: what what do you, you
3: think what do you think yeah I, I consider these you know rumors renewed rumors as tina put it extremely uh credible and plausible um you know it would explain a lot it would explain why their release calendar for the second half of this year is so so light to, to non-existent you know the teams the intern you know the subtext being that the teams are probably working on you know switch plus games um i'm less sure that being said that they can make an upgrade to the switch hardware that doesn't necessarily make it more powerful. Um, Mm -hmm. the screen, and I, to be clear, I love my switch, but Mm -hmm. in the year 2020, the battery life is very bad. Um, Mm -hmm. the screen is not incredibly high quality and, um, it actually has a huge black uh, bezel around the edge. So, um, there's an opportunity. You can see it right there on the screen. Like they wouldn't even need to change the switch form factor at all and just make that screen edge to edge. Um, That's you know, imp- improve the battery life and make improvements like that without necessarily having to make a console that can do 4k output on a TV or something like that. So, um, I'm curious to see which direction they go. Like, is it truly a switch plus that can mm-hmm. do 4k, you know, when docked and that has more horsepower? Is it just sort of like a, a switch plus that has the same internal components, but maybe is just a little bit, you know, nicer and, um, premium feeling. Mm-hmm. Tina, it's you funny played, to
1: think or, that we're ahead. Well, I was just gonna say to Tina's point, like we're about to enter an era in which like we all have 4K TVs, and that's never stopped Nintendo from not updating before. But if we all have 4K TVs and we're plugging in something that doesn't have 4K, it's gonna start feeling silly really soon. And maybe they'll start caring about that.
3: Well, I you know, you you're so right about Cyberpunk though, Sam. We're like it, it's already, you know, even a newer, more powerful Switch is either not gonna be powerful enough to run Cyberpunk, or even if it is it's going to look so much worse and inferior to the version that you can get on the other consoles that, like, it's almost harmful to Nintendo to, like, run in that direction, like, because because then they're inviting a direct one-to-one comparison that they kind of don't want.
2: Although in a weird yeah, way, think- like, the community has kind of just embraced the fact that that's not what you get when it comes to yeah. Nintendo systems. Like, what you're getting is that convenience factor, and you're getting a machine that houses a lot of, like, other really adorable gems um, that you can play, you know, from your couch or on the go. Uh, so I think it, like, we we constantly see those kind of graphical comparisons, especially when the ne- the last gen or rather the current gen launched. We constantly saw those kind of comparisons. We do those kind of comparisons where we say, like, here's a game, uh, you know, as compared to on an Xbox versus a PlayStation. So it's it's kind of part of the culture as opposed to with Nintendo that's not exactly the expectation. So I imagine if they go the route of what they did, you know, with their actual handheld consoles and just kind of extended the, the screen and improved the battery life, as you were saying, Justin, like, that would totally be a viable option for them that I imagine people would get on board with because they like the... The, the environment in which they have become accustomed to using their Switches.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, Nintendo has a history of doing this with its handhelds. There was the Game Boy Advance, then the Game Boy Advance SP. there's the DS and then the DSi. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to think that this whole time, the what, the almost four years that the Switch has been around, three and a half years, the sort of ecosystem or the, the game library is all those incredible Nintendo exclusives, a lot of indie games, and then uh, a sort of f- a steady stream of ports from older games from this generation that might not be the best way to play them, but they run and they're they're portable, which is nice to have. But as the two uh, the next gen consoles launch, PS Five and Xbox Series X, the Switch will at, it, at the power it's at now it's really going to start being left behind. So um, I, I I would love to see a slightly more powerful Switch coming soon. You know, soon after the the console launch. Tina, you played The Witcher Three on your Switch. Um, (laughs) Like Sam, would you also prefer to play Cyberpunk on it?
2: No, I, the reason why it worked, and I was going to mention that too, um, the reason why it worked for Witcher 3 is because I was late to it, so it felt like the kind of game that I could chip away at in between moments, so, you know, if, if we're traveling somewhere, or if I'm at, like, you know, staying with my, with my brothers or something, like, it's an easy thing for me to fit in, but for a new game like Cyberpunk, I think I'm going to want to experience that the same way everyone else is experiencing it, since I'm going to be experiencing it at the same time, too. Makes a difference.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I want. I want. That's like the, sort of like the big premiere game that's closing out this generation and launching the next one. So yeah, I, I want to play that on my big 4K TV. Um, if this new model of the Switch is coming early 2021, uh, Sam, what do you think about the prospects of Breath of the Wild Two sort of launching alongside of it to, to launch mm-hmm. this this uh, little you know more powerful version? There's a there's there's a big problem
1: with that, and that's hmm. that Nintendo has never done. So you were talking about the history of Nintendo uh, having like the SP out or the DSi was a version of the DS or the uh, you know the, the 3DS had some iterations. They're they're not like point five steps like the you know like like the uh, Xbox One X or the PlayStation Pro uh, PlayStation 4 Pro. They're not like that. Those are like very incremental, and they can still play the old games. And there was very few exclusives that were kind of for those newer systems. Um, for Nintendo to do like a full 0.5, they would have to do something like that. They would have to say like, come play this on the new system or play this much better version of it to pull people over. And I don't know if they're inclined to do that. They you normally just, they just wanna make that sea of things out there that can play Pokemon bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. So I, it's hard for me to like see them all, say right now, like stop using your hardware, use this new hardware. But if they're gonna do that, it would really help to have a new Zelda. I mean. That, that's how you get the hardcore people over there. It'd be kind of mean, but it'd work.
3: Justin, what do you think? Well, it, it, it's it really calls into contrast for me, or um, you know, makes me think about we we mostly talk about and consider the Switch as a home console. Um, but Nintendo doesn't have a portable anymore. This is their only console, and it's the first time in Nintendo's history ever, you know, since the Game Boy, that they have not been a handheld and home console company. And so, you know, everyone talks about how the Switch is a runaway success, and it's going to end up being, it's probably going to surpass the Wii as being their best selling console of all time. But in the back of my head, I'm always thinking about like they sold 150 million DSs, and that business is just gone now. Yeah. So, um, you know, where they take that Switch line is going to, I think, solidify for me how Nintendo is thinking about the Switch. Is it more like the DS where, you know, they had three – you you called out the DSi, Damon, but they mm. also had the the DS Lite, you know. That's right, um, right. That's right. So they've iterated on that, you know, a lot of times um, – uh, or do, or does Nintendo in their own head sort of think about it a little bit more as a as a home console? Um, mm. It's a hybrid. It doesn't have an analog. It's, it occupies a really interesting space in the company's history and in gaming history where I think it gets a little bit hard to look at what
0: happened in the past and draw conclusions about the future.
2: Hmm.
0: It's in, Sam, it's interesting. You said uh, Nintendo wants to have as many devices out there that play Pokemon as it can, but uh, has that changed to as many devices out there that can play <laughs> Animal Crossing?
1: Yeah, seriously, that must have been blowing their minds when yeah. that was happening earlier. Yeah, I think they want people to go on to another game now. So I think that's like a big scramble at Nintendo is like, what, what's, the, what's the big follow-up that will be a worldwide hit like Animal Crossing, which I don't think they really anticipated. Yeah. Uh, because how could they? It was because of a world event that nobody anticipated that we all played Animal Crossing, probably. Right. We don't have a, a, a B universe to compare a universe to at this point.
0: Yeah. I wish we did. Yeah. <laughs> that we know of. We're in the B universe. <laughs> uh, we to get there. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, okay. That's a good uh, stopping point. We have to take a quick break, but when we return, there's going to be even more scoops. So many more scoops for you to just scoop right up and pour all over your face and right down your guzzle. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> gross <laughs> welcome back to game scoop on gamescom here on ign this is day two of our gamescom coverage and if you are tuning into gamescom and actually not super familiar with game scoop it's our weekly podcast where we talk about all the latest news happening in the world of video games you can find it in your favorite podcast service or at youtube.com slash game it's a really fun show i like it i'm a fan I don't care what anybody says. I like (laughs) GameScoop. Joining me, uh, or not joining me, still with me are Tina Amini, Sam Claiborne, and Justin Davis. And we were talking about Nintendo, the Nintendo rumors of a new Switch, but now we're going to move on to PlayStation. PlayStation 5 pre-orders have not gone live yet. We don't know when it's coming out. We don't know how much it's going to cost, but Sony has started the process of (laughs) letting people know that not very many people are going to be able to pre-order it. So This is the picture of the raffle that we're watching right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, is it a raffle? I don't know if it's a raffle. Um, Sony is giving fans a chance to be one of the first people to pre-order the PS5. Sony says there will be a limited quantity of PS5 consoles available for pre-order. So I don't know. It sounds like it, it might be kind of hard to get at launch. Uh, those who are interested to potentially receive an invitation to pre-order can share your playstation online id and then if you are selected sony will email you the instructions to secure a ps5 at launch the selection of who gets chosen for a ps5 pre-order this is my favorite part is based on previous interest and playstation activities <laughs> so okay. so play so it- you're, you know your your PS4 is connected online, and Sony's been gathering all this data about you over the past seven years, and it knows how many platinum trophies you have. So yeah. it, it knows how hardcore a fan you are. Trophies finally matter. I don't so. know. I don't know how it's gauging previous interest, though. And then, or if unless they're just looking at how much is your account spent in the PlayStation so Store. I have an alternative perspective. Okay. Allow me to
3: present. Allow me to present a different uh, a theory, sure. which is. All of this is lies, and it's just marketing.
0: Well, I was going to ask like, that too. Oh, is this, oh is this, guys,
3: uh... we don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if we're even going to have any PS5. You better, like, you better give us your credit card number now. Otherwise, we're not sure you're going to be able to get one in the next year. So I... Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Jason. No, I'm just goofing. <laughs>
2: Oh, I actually saw um, some of our commenters were saying the same thing, like, is this manufactured um, shortages so that you're you're drumming up more interest and drive to, to kind of get your hands on one of these things. But um, two things to that. One is uh, that a bunch of other commenters were also really pissed about it. And I, I think it's the first time that I've seen our community react that negatively towards something, especially PS5 related, but just kind of Sony PlayStation in general. So that was an interesting a uh, new angle to the conversation around the PS5 that I haven't really seen before. So if it was for that purpose, it's definitely had a negative backlash, but maybe it is that kind of scenario where only the people who didn't get selected um, to be the chosen ones, uh, you know, are, are the ones left to be upset and then everyone else gets to kind of gloat over it. Yeah. Um, but the, the second point that I had to that was that uh, a few months ago, we um, drafted a feature, a reported feature f- piece um, talking to a bunch of analysts about the potential for Uh, delays for the consoles and they hadn't predicted delays but they were pretty much across the board universally Uh, an agreement that there'd be massive shortages. And obviously due to the pandemic, a lot of um, companies that they're working with, production companies are are globally situated. Everybody's in a different scenario with COVID-19. So who knows what their protocols are, how much they've been impacted. Um, And then even just distribution centers after that, who knows what's going on with retailers on top of it. So they were definitely pretty sure there were going to be shortages. So that does at least track with what um, Sony's new, uh, you know, rules and regulations around getting a PS5 are.
3: Yeah, I mean, all all goofing aside, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, right? Like, they're in the business of making sure that anyone that's kind of a fence-setter on the PS5 buys one right away. Um, So I do think some of it's marketing. But then I do think that they're also expectation-setting on, like, (laughs) you know, look, there are not going to be millions and millions of these things on store shelves. Um, And there's actually an interesting, you know, wrinkle here, which is... Sony is selling PlayStation fives direct on playstation.com, which is fairly unusual and new. Um, Normally they, you know, there is no direct sales business. You partner with Walmart and Amazon and target and sell your consoles that way. Um, And they make a lot more money for each game console that they sell directly to consumers instead of wholesaling them out to retailers. So um, some of this may be a gambit to try to, um, to try to sell hardware direct to consumers instead of working with uh, third-party distributors like that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I was going to make that exact point and add to that that y- if you're freaking out about not being able to get the PlayStation right now because of this message, just remember you still won't be able to get one on Best Buy, Amazon, everywhere else. You normally have to refresh a web page on. It's going to be hard.
0: Well, it wasn't. <laughs> but, uh, it wasn't hard to get PS4 pre-orders when they went live. No, in 2013.
1: But that yeah, was also at
0: e- E3.
3: That was a, that was in the summer. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 some
1: of the pre-order situations have not been as bad uh, in the modern era, but you know everybody has like really bad memories of that PS3 Wii era launch, which was just like lines in the winter and stuff like yeah. that. So I think we're probably looking more at that, and then also just like tons of reselling. Like it's, it's, it's these things are going to be so expensive on the secondhand market right away.
3: i i I think um part of this part of the frustration that you know tina noted from you know our audience and just the gaming audience in general is uh that we still don't have the price and so we're it's beyond ridiculous at this point that like pre-orders are coming soon give us your email and we'll let you know if you can pre-order it and it's like dude we need to know how much this thing costs before we can continue this conversation
2: are they trying to get everybody invested where they can withdraw their pre-orders upon seeing a price. Yeah, <laughs> there's another conspiracy theory for you.
1: That's a good conspiracy theory, and that's that's <laughs> you know when you when you line stuff like that up, like some of the things that that Sony's probably doing not on purpose, like is probably working to their advantage, and they're like, hey, this is great because I I just feel like this is like one of those marketing beats, and there's a few others that were probably planned. I think they probably thought they'd have a price by now. I don't know. It just seems like things are start, starting to happen out of order, like yep. the price moment. They didn't do it, but it's fine. They're still doing all this other stuff. seems strange.
3: I, 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 I'm worried that the console, that the, uh, that the lack of these consoles having a price means they're going to be expensive. Because that's th- the bad news, right? <laughs> I think if these consoles were going to be at a price that they thought wasn't going to be seen as bad news, they would have been in more of a hurry to share, here's our console price. I think that mm-hmm. every day that goes by is more and more of a signal that they're going to be pricey.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It feels like the game of chicken is just continuing Mm -hmm. to where, like, who's going to be the one to break the bad news to the community and therefore get the flack associated with it? Yes. Um, So it's it's definitely postponing that as long as possible, um, and it's why we're about to head into September without uh, any solid, concrete details about when we'd get these things or for how much. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, we're almost... It's almost September. Uh, We still don't know how much these things are going to cost. Um, Those who are selected to pre-order the PlayStation 5, can order the following if they choose. One PS5 console or digital edition, two DualSense controllers, two charging stations, two 3D wireless headsets, two media remotes, and two HD cameras. Although it's not clear to me why, you only have one console, why do you need two HD cameras? Or two remotes. Or two remotes. (laughs) I thought that (laughs) was a When I
1: uh, stood in line for a Wii when I was in college, I um, uh, got through the line. They, they only had 20, but there was, and they kept saying that all day, but there was like 65 people in line and I was number 19 and I was really happy about that. So I got in the store, you know, like I was guaranteed a wee, everybody was really mad outside, even though they'd been told all day not to wait. There wasn't any more. And then they walked us through this gamut of like accessories. And yeah. it was like these long tables laid out and it was like, here's the games you know i really had to have <laughs> zelda right and here's the other wii remotes and like here's like, everything else and that's such a funny digitized version of that exact process
0: yep yeah i've i've been around for almost all the console launches i've never seen uh, a console launch uh, or pre-order system work like this um i don't know well and it's all digital we mentioned you know it won't be on store
1: shelves because there are no store shelves so that's like <laughs> yeah. another change this yeah. fall is that like if one thing about store shelves is that it prevents this kind of disruption of uh like tomfoolery on the internet if you can only order a, a playstation on the internet like that's that's going to be exploited and messed with so you know if somebody out there can b- buy 500 ps5s and sell them in the secondhand market they're going to do that and like the thing standing in the way before was you know target and GameStop and everything which had like a different system by which they are distributed
3: yeah I think that that's actually a really good point. We we saw that with like the Nintendo Switch where a lot of people had anxiety about, like, you know, oh my god, I couldn't get a pre-order. I didn't get one and now they're sold out. And then almost as an afterthought, they're like, "Oh yeah, I can go to a store mm-hmm. and buy one." <laughs> like, that's all. And then like you saw these comments of like, "I walked like I walked in on launch day, I picked yeah. one off the shelf, I bought it. It was easy."
1: Like and there was the, pictures on Twitter like that whole launch yeah. weekend of like, "Oh, look how many there are at this this place." And that was yeah. cool. But at the
2: very least for this pre-order phase, they're only allowing you one console. And I have to imagine even, you know, after that, they're going to be limiting it too, especially because of the shortages, but also because of resellers online for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Uh, This is a conversation I was having with Seth Macy earlier earlier this week. Um, He pointed out that the Switch has been the best-selling console of the year so far, Uh, you know, likely because the other consoles are very late in their life cycle. The Wii is only, or the Switch is only a few years old and it's, Lots of excitement around it, but he said that's all going to change when PlayStation Five comes out. PlayStation Five will be the best-selling console, you know, f- hmm. for its launch month in December. Um, but now I wonder if that like can't be true if it's if it's too limited. If both right. the PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X are out, and the Nintendo Switch, the current model outsells them in, in this holiday season. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. all
2: 500 PS5s will be sold.
0: It'll depend on how many they can make. Yeah, they'll sell
1: out they can always mm-hmm. say that that's the marketing beat they can hit um also it's possible that switch will be more popular it just it just yeah it could be you know i mean switches is, is just a different audience Like we haven't hit the uh, holiday season cycle with animal crossing yet that's a big deal some people don't buy a system all year long yeah. you know like
0: you
1: that yeah. we're probably gonna hit that and animal crossing is gonna go hard for yeah. wintry updates and mm-hmm. cool like, you know, like holiday lights and stuff in town. Like it's, it's going to go, I just experienced all that because I'm in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> and-
3: switch has also uh, never had a price drop. You know, the $200 yeah. Switch light is its normal price. So if they go to 150 and 250, like that's a huge ace in their hole, potentially.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. Ace in their pocket.
2: No, I think- ace in the holes, right. Ace in the okay. hole. Ace in Got their it. pocket. Yeah. Got it. Thank you. Eight ball in the pocket. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or that. Wait,
3: wait
0: um anyway i don't know the uh this uh exclusive pre-order system for a ps5 uh, did anyone try to did anyone like submit their playstation online I ids did. and try to get in mm-hmm. you did mm-hmm. i mean that's part of your job also right to be fair
2: yeah. like, I was, I didn't, like
0: i didn't with it. i didn't
2: bother well with you it.
0: know i'm trophy
1: master too <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> trophy I master yeah like, I, that, and when sad. you get
2: the ps5 he will keep it in the box too no less
1: Yes, I will not will not be opening the PS5. I got the Nintendo at Lego
2: set. And didn't open it.
0: But did not open it. Did not open it. And it's a very big box. Okay, (laughs) we have to take another quick break, but GameScoop will return after this. Welcome back to soup on Gamescom. This is day two of IGN's live Gamescom coverage. Coming up a little bit later today, we've got new looks at Little Nightmares 2 and The Medium. But right now, we're going to get back to talking about PlayStation stuff. We're talking about the bizarre uh, exclusive pre-order system for the PS5. But earlier today, we got to see an uh, extended gameplay demo of a very impressive-looking PS5 game, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Uh, Let's bring in uh, Tina, Sam, and Justin once again. I continue to be very impressed with this game. Tina, what do you think?
2: Um, It was very much a big part of their last presentation, so it wasn't, um, I suppose, as as a big reveal as the first time we saw um, the extension of this, uh, or rather the the, the cut-down version of what appears to be the level that they showed off. Hmm. Um, So it looked just as good as the first time. Um, I do find it kind of interesting that they're really pushing the narrative about this is what the power of the PS5 can do. And granted their first presentation of that was an association, um, with the unreal engine demo, which wasn't exactly a game, but you know, you had a human character in there. Um, you had these realistic looking environments, obviously ration cake is a slightly more cartoonish with this like realistic kind of uh, graphical edge to it. So there's a lot of particles flying around. You can see the reflection of windows from the buildings, uh, on the floor, uh, there's just a ton going on, and obviously the rifts um, acting as a portal uh, is the the biggest, I guess I would say, like next gen part of that presentation. But yeah. um, it is it is interesting that they're continuing on that beat with this game as being like a prominent example of what next gen can deliver.
0: Yeah, and it, it's it's you know it's coming from the who's also delivering uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales at launch, and um, Ratchet and Clank is supposed to be a launch window game. So, ma'am. And Sam, Insomniac is really uh, sort of the VIP for Sony heading into next-gen. Justin, what did you think of today's gameplay demo? <laughs> I thought it was
3: really beautiful and impressive. Um, I uh, I liked it a lot. Like, you know, I think it's occupying a gameplay space with sort of like, you know, shooting and platforming that we don't see as much anymore. Feels a little bit like, you know, a modern take on a throwback. And, um, and even just a tone space of like, It feels like a game that's for 12 year olds where like most games are either, you know for little children or for adults. And we don't get that much stuff that exists kind of in the middle. And um, I really liked it. I want to play it. I used to be a fan of the Ratchet and Clank games and then, um, you know, fell off of them. And I'm excited to give this one a shot this fall.
0: But Sam thought it was just the same damn demo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, 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 was there's what I would have liked to see in this demo is
1: what we all want to see was is like you know the the vortex stuff being shown off a lot hmm. and you know it's shown off a little bit but not in the sense that like i thought you could like I thought the, I would like to see the idea of like where you can like walk around and just zip through them over and over again. Like I really want to see that as like the tech demo. I, tech demo I want to see, but this is like more of gameplay. And I don't mind seeing gameplay because gameplay helps me make the decision about whether I want to play a game or not. And this does not look like a game I want to play. It looks more yeah. like a Lego game where you just kind of run through it and shoot things. Like I need to see some platforming or some creativity around you know how you move around this world like that. Like they just showed, mm-hmm. which is really cool, on how that works into the game. Otherwise, like. I don't know, man. I can't just shoot boxes and robots and and listen to a story. That's just not my thing. But ah. they did show a Lego game at, uh, as part of uh, Gamescom opening mm-hmm. night live. Also, that uh, you know, like again, like it looks charming like this, and I can see why people like it. It's just a little too simplistic for me. You're talking yeah. about
0: uh, Lego Skywalker Saga.
1: Yeah, that which I think looked really cool too. Like I'd rather play that than this, but I'm not gonna. I don't know. It's really hard for me to get excited unless I see like difficult platforming world exploration something i don't this is just a brawler like i'm just not interested in this
0: yeah they're not really about exploration they're about um fun gadgets and weapons
3: yeah i think the weaponry is really original it looks like a playable pixar movie to me which like video games have been making that claim for like 15 (laughs) years now but i think we're finally actually there um and just there's there's on its face it's like oh it doesn't look that different than a ps4 game then if you take a closer look like the density of the crowds and you know, some of the work that's being done on the reflections and some of the work of, yeah. uh, I don't know if we're going to get to it in this B roll right here, but like sort of quickly zipping through the environments at the end of this demo. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like any of that could have been done last gen or not to yeah. this degree.
0: So shiny. Yeah. yeah speaking of <laughs> shiny, The closeups on clank, I think um, the reflection on his armor or his metal look, look really nice.
2: Yeah. I suspect a uh, miles Morales will have a few more puddles. That was a throwback (laughs) joke. That was
1: good. Um, I want to see gameplay of that game, speaking of which. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) If it's coming out before this. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. That's a a good point. We have not gotten uh, really a gameplay demo of uh, Miles Morales yet. Nope. Um, Okay, let's move on to another game uh, that we learned more about this week, and it is definitely relevant to many of our interests, especially as Justin continues his playthrough (laughs) of Lord of the Rings Online. Mm-hmm. Is there a quick? Is there a quick update there, Justin? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> okay. I did. I did meet. I think you're. You're. We're about to talk about Gollum, right?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, what I, I did quick. meet Gollum. I chased him all around the Trollshaws. That's wow. my quick. That's my quick
0: Lord of the Rings <laughs> Online update.
1: Oh, and that's how, then he catches up with the Fellowship and, and yeah. tracks them in Moria. Yep. Okay.
0: Um, we did have a big article uh, on uh, the Lord of the Rings Gollum go up this week where we learned a lot more info about the game. It's supposed to mix Prince of Persia, like stealth action, uh, feature a branching narrative and then expand on hints. Tolkien gave about the, uh, uh, about Smeagol to create a brand new Lord of the Rings story that aims to fit alongside the books. Uh, Gollum is broadly spent the, the game into broadly spent in two distinct states, either stealthily making your way past the various hulking threats of Mordor and making narrative choices, uh, Making narrative choices as the warring personalities of Sméagol and Gollum fight for control. This is a prequel to the Lord of the Rings books, meaning Gollum has a set has to reach a set place by the end of the game, and I thought that would mean well that would, you know he's traveling through Mordor, or trying to get to Mordor, and then it would end up with him being captured by Sauron's forces. Um, but they actually say we start our story parallel to the first book when Frodo is still in the Shire, knows nothing about anything. Gollum at that time ventures to Mordor still desperately looking for Bilbo and the ring. Unfortunately, he gets caught by Sauron's servants and this is basically where our story begins.
3: Yeah, he gets mm-hmm. he gets tortured and that's how they find out that uh that the ring is in the Shire. Um yeah, I I don't know about this game. Like it, it's it's well, so it's narrative driven. It's supposed to have choices and the story branches based off your choices, but as you said, Damon, like Lord of the Rings lore is extremely set in stone. Like we know exactly who Gollum met and who he talked to and like clearly there's gaps that they can fill in, but like yeah. how, how interesting can narrative choices and branching narrative be when, as you say, it has to circle back on itself and end in the same spot. I'm, well, I'm so, skeptical. So,
2: you know? Interestingly, they actually said that, yes, obviously it's going to follow the, the narration that we already know about or the storyline that we already know about. Um, but there are elements of Smeagol. Obviously the whole game is about like Smeagol versus Gollum and the, what Gollum wants is to retain um, the the control of the ring again and and find Bilbo and and figure that out. But there's other elements of like what's driving Smeagol. So as your personality is, and then therefore the gameplay is going through this conflict, I suppose there are probably side quests or something else that you can fulfill um, in taking on the persona of Smeagol. And that might be something that's less explored. Like, I don't know, I can imagine it's going back to his roots, like, to um, who he was as a hobbit, who some of his family members are, maybe where they ended up, um, and investigating that other life that he once upon a time led before being driven mad by the ring. So I really do, like, I think that there's enough meat there for that. And then the one thing that really um, stuck out to me was that, obviously, you can't do a lot of combat. Like, I imagine he can throw a fish at someone's face and then maybe jump on their head and confuse them for a minute and then skulk away again. But outside of that, He's not taking on orcs or anything. So apparently you're going to be meeting uh, NPCs and, and companion AI who are going to be helping you. And I, I think as, as far as my read was, you basically be directing and helping them. So maybe the fish throwing comes into relevance again, which is a gameplay mechanic I'm totally inventing. Um, so don't take that uh, you know, at face value. But I, I like the idea of this game potentially making companion AI actually useful. And if it only accomplishes that, I will still be happy just for that minor bit of success,
1: man. Gollum's really good at, at strangling people, and that's that is a stealth thing in games now. So maybe he could do that. But orcs, you know, generally were wearing a bunch of armor around their necks and stuff too. So that'll be interesting. I'm so hyped for this game, and I'll tell you why. Uh, actually, Tina, you, you, one of your theories matches up really well with the geography of where Gollum ends up. Like he does a bunch of cool things. He he uh, he. Um, Side, he like makes a deal with uh with Shelob at some point, because when he comes back through with the hobbits, Shelob already knows what's going on. So that happens. And then he goes up into, um he goes past where he's from. He's a store, which is a a, a breed of Hobbit that's from the the east side of the Misty Mountains. And so he kind of travels up, up that way. And he doesn't know where the Shire is either. So he needs to kind of find where that is. And he starts searching his own land, right? Which is there. And then he goes into the forest Mirkwood and gets caught and uh, well, he's he he deals with Aragorn in there too a little mm-hmm. bit, and then uh, Aragorn captures him and, and puts him in jail in the forest, and the Wood Elves are are, are guarding him, and the Orcs uh, attack the forest to free him. So there's all that. That's all after he talks to Sauron and that, that information comes out. So I think a lot of this is going to take place in this like escape from Mordor part, which is like they let him go. And then some of it's going to be stealthing around uh, Merkwood, hopefully, and just kind of like exploring that whole eastern side of, uh, uh, of, of Ere- Erebor, I think is what it is. It's really, really cool. I'm really it- excited for that.
3: It is a rich topic for a game. I, I guess to like rephrase, it's interesting their decision to make it narrative choice and player choice focused when that narrative is pretty established already. Like I'm trying to think of another game where the player has a lot of influence on the story and how it evolves, but then, um, but then you already know the end.
1: Yeah, all the Star Wars
3: prequels.
0: Yeah, I was very skeptical when uh, we first learned about this game. I think it was earlier, early this year. Um, but I like this description. This comes from the developer. Says the game is, for the most part, structured in sets of levels and hubs. When Gollum arrives at a new location, the places where he can go from that hub are limited until he either works his way in, finds secret passages or information, or manages to scheme his way into otherwise restricted areas. And that sounds totally yeah. fun. That kind of sounds like a, Metal- like a dishonored, like
1: yeah, or like a Metal Gear Gollum.
2: Yeah, like any RPG where that lets you spec in, we've talked about this before on Scoop, but any RPG that lets you spec in dialogue uh, strength and, you know, your charm or whatever yeah. else, your intellect, uh, is totally my jam. Um, so it would be really cool if they had that in this uh, that element in this game. They haven't spoken to any kind of, like, RPG elements like that or leveling up. But uh, regardless, because it's so dependent on the personality choices that you pick, it does feel like that that kind of, like, dialogue emphasis is obviously going to be at the forefront either way. Although I will say, like, yeah, like Justin, to your point, it is obviously they're spending a lot of time trying to say, like, we're not messing with the storyline. Like, this is going to be the same universe that you love. There's a quote um, from the developer in our piece uh, where he says, it won't be like you're going to end up destroying Middle Earth because you never made a Smeagol choice. But actually, I think that would be pretty cool. Like, I totally don't mind a, a universe where. Smeagol goes in a completely different direction and really challenges elements of the story. I think that would be Mm -hmm. fun, but they're clearly trying to do this balance thing where they still have the Lord of the Rings fans happy about um, not changing uh, the basic elements, um, but making sure that you have your own little Smeagol storyline that maybe was never told. Uh, And then they did mention too that apparently whatever default personality you opt for actually will impact the environment uh, in a stylish, stylistic way. Uh, which kind of reminds me of the saboteur and how like that you basically the environment gets colored in the more that you um, uh, conquer these little like the areas in the game. So that that kind of thing is like a cool uh, little aspect of it that seems like it suits the the rest of their goals.
3: I do think I. I... All of that sounds really cool, and I'm also excited to play as Gollum. Like, you know, he's not a hero, he's not a villain. You know, we we've played as children and um, you know, weakling characters before, but never like I can't think of a game protagonist that like maps to this. He's just a really, really interesting, well written, you know, well characterized, uh, you know, fictional character that I'm excited to get to know more.
0: All right, we have to take one more quick break, but right after that, we'll be back with the thrilling conclusion to GameCube. (laughs) Welcome back to day two of IGN's live coverage of Gamescom 2020. You're in the midst of GameScoop, which is our weekly video game podcast. You can check out your favorite podcast service or youtube.com slash GameScoop. My name is David Hatfield. I'm joined by Tina Amini, Sam Claiborne, and Justin Davis. And it is time to check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address, GameScoop at IGN.com, just like Angel from Chicago did. Angel says, been listening since... 2018. Love the cast. Love the show. Listen every time. Damon, thank you so much for the recommendation of the documentary High Score on Netflix. Loved it, and I learned a lot about the gaming industry from it. I have a question regarding it as well. If there was a continuation of the series, a season two, what would be the things they would cover in the more contemporary age of video games, like the fall of Sega or the entry of Microsoft? Also, what other subjects in the era of video games that they covered already would you have liked them to have covered?
3: Good Ooh. question.
1: I, I finished it last night, Yeah. and it goes right up to Doom, which is, which came out December uh, two thousand or nineteen ninety three, and uh, it also covers Star Fox, which came out earlier in that year in nineteen ninety three. Mm-hmm. So nineteen ninety four, the first things that it could start with are Donkey Kong Country, this is an example of a thing that came out nineteen ninety four, and of yeah. course the PlayStation started taking over then. And I was thinking like a good like like arc would be the rise of PlayStation and and compact disc based stuff or CD-ROM based stuff in the DVD like right up to like Grand Theft Auto and like the kind of 2000 launch of the the PS2 and like 3D big open world games because I feel like that's kind of the era we're in but there is an in-between era there they could cover
3: yeah, the '90s are a really rich and interesting and dramatic era mm-hmm. for video games, with you know Nintendo kind of betraying Sony, and then that leading to the rise of PlayStation, and um, and you know sort of the downfall of Sega, and uh, probably at the tail end of that, you know, depending on how many more years they wanted to cover, you could even talk about like you know Microsoft and and sort of the origin of Xbox, starting with uh you know as a as right. a uh, exclu- as a spinoff of DirectX.
2: So I've only seen one episode, um, but just based off of that, it seems like they've really left themselves open um, for the potential to go down a lot of different angles, because obviously like there's the, the, the decades that they can cover just as a more general topic. Um, but the thing that I really liked about that first episode that I saw um, is that they span a lot. Like, they span like game design itself. Um, and then, like the, the history of it, like how certain things were programmed versus how they aren't are, are, uh, nowadays. Um, they talk about the beginnings of the competitive um, industry around gaming. Uh, they even talk about player behavior and dig in a little bit to the behind the scenes uh, look at, like you know, why certain design decisions were made to kind of keep people's interest there and people keep people plugging in quarters into arcade machines, and even some some of the drama, which Justin and Sam already ch- touched on in terms of uh, continuations of, uh, different companies being competitive in the industry. So it's just a lot of different angles that they could take. Like, even if you just track the pattern of, um, the emergence of different uh, kind of genres, or or the combination of genres, um, different patterns in game design, like that, could take up an entire season for one decade yeah. alone. And then they could they could completely go in a different direction and talk about like the competitive scene and how it's kind of really burgeoned up to twenty twenty. So there is just so many different angles that they touched on, even in that singular episode that I watched. It was it was actually pretty impressive.
1: Like at some point there's like a a season away or two away in which it's like the MMO and online multiplayer and everything are like, those are the way they they do these episodes. Like you can see those as like their own thing, but that's not sequentially what happens next in history, but there's nothing saying that they have to go sequential. Maybe like the topics are big enough that it's like one episode is about Sega leaving the console market entirely. And one is about the existence Mm -hmm. of the first MMOs coming about. And, you know, I think that's, that's, you know, a really interesting way to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, there are only six episodes in season one, so it's like there's just so many other topics they can explore in future seasons. Like they did, they did uh, Sega versus Nintendo um, in the early 1990s s already, uh, which is a fascinating story. And then, I, like you're just saying, Sam, it'd be interesting to follow the sort of sad, slow downfall of Sega after that, mm-hmm. uh, leading up to the Dreamcast and then them exiting the the console wars.
2: And a yeah, lot of the like themes that they- so many so many topics. Yeah, a lot of the themes that they touched on, like there's a, even just in that first episode, there's um, an entire section about, or entire clips about lawsuits, um, and I guess what you could call like fan-made contributions to licensed IPs. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that's still pretty topically relevant. We just had news recently where there's a Left 4 Dead 2 um, I'm not sure exactly, actually, what it was. It was like a mod or, or something that they're actually that Valve is officially incorporating into Left 4 Dead 2. So it's come a long way from this kind of like competitive, uh, protective kind of era into another generation where it's kind of the normal. Uh, way of things that that fans are constantly making their own creations or additions or mods on top of games. So that alone could be a whole topic. You could look at like the beginnings of, since Sam mentioned MMOs, you could look at like how MMOs have morphed and then how Destiny introduced a new genre and how there were so many copycats after that. Like there's just Mm -hmm. so many even super recent examples that you could spend episodes talking about and how the impact has been, what the marketing has been around it. I love the clips of like uh, teenage girls reacting to Pac-Man being mm-hmm. cute, which I don't get it. It's just like, you know a block of of cheese essentially. pac mans so cute, I guess so.
1: <laughs> uh- I, what you're saying there about the the research that went into this I just wanted to call it out like it's unbelievable seeing all the news clips and stuff like that that's like one side of the research that went into that project that's just amazing seeing you know commercials and news footage and everything then there's this other side where like every game that's shown in it is shown with scan lines like probably off a of Crt or or at least like emulated really closely to look like one it's it's incredible. Like the it, we do this for our jobs, right? We have to capture video games and talk about video games and do research and stuff like that. So it's really cool to see that done for things that didn't come out in 2020. Like it's really mm-hmm. amazing seeing like new technology highlighting what what Donkey Kong actually looked like on the screen in 1980. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they have like I, I, original I love...
2: sketches for Space Invaders. They have yeah. and then they do yeah. animations for scenes that they don't have. That was really cool too how they mm-hmm. were just sort of like Animating some some pitch scenes for ET, so they, they definitely have like a really big multimedia uh, backing to it.
1: The space invaders sea creatures was like such a so, so mind blowing because I knew like they were kind of based on sea creatures, but then you see like the one as a crab, and he's like yeah. it doesn't really look like a crab. I know.
0: <laughs> I love the footage um, from the Nintendo World Championships, like the finals of the Nintendo yeah. World Championships. It's so yeah. so cool. Yeah, loved it. Uh, Red, how are we doing on time? How much time do we have left? We've got five minutes left. That means it's time for a video game 20 questions speed round. Speed Our round. Our suggestion <laughs> this week comes from Matt Ford, and he only has a hard mode suggestion. So it's just oh, hard oh mode. Oh, boy. Speed five minutes round. hard mode. All right. Let the questioning begin. Expectations set them low. Uh,
3: could this game have appeared in the Netflix documentary High Score?
0: Uh, w- wait a minute. Wait. Could it have? If, ba- well, based
3: on in terms
2: what? of generationally?
3: Based off the
0: time period that the first six episodes covered. Based on the time before period before 1994. That, okay. Based on that time period, no. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: um Is this uh, from? Uh, is this? Was this available on Switch?
0: No.
2: Is it current gen though?
0: You got how much time?
2: Is it on current gen consoles?
0: Right, Tina, I cannot hear you.
2: Oh boy. There you go. Now okay. can hear. You. Oh, okay. Is it on current-gen consoles?
0: No. Okay. We're, we're, we're in trouble here.
3: Um, was this game released in uh, the 2000s? No. Oh, okay. So it's from
1: 1994 to 1999. We got this. That's great. Uh, was this on a cartridge? No.
3: That's five. Uh, was this game released for the PlayStation 1? Yes.
0: Was it an exclusive? uh at the that's time um it was for like right at release it was
3: okay 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 um was this game developed in japan
0: no
2: is it part of a series yes is it a sports
1: game
3: no that's 10 was this game developed in the united states yes
0: is it 3d yes
3: is the developer still around
0: still in business Um. Yes, I think so. In some form, in some form, yes. Mm, Okay. Mm.
1: Is this a a first-person game?
3: No. It could be Tomb Raider. Um, if it's on hard
1: mode, it could be like a really late one or something.
3: I don't
2: know. Does does it it
1: have?
2: uh, Does it have some level of platforming or verticality to the gameplay?
3: Yes, fifteen.
2: Tomb Raider.
3: Yeah, could be, but that I don't know why that's hard mode. It's not. Is it, that's I'm true. Just, is it like it can't Tomb Raider be Four or something or whatever. You know? uh, do you play as a human? Yes. I don't know what that eliminates. <laughs> Vampire you- games. Are vampires
2: <laughs> human? No. Once upon um, a time.
3: Is this uh, is this set in present
1: day? Yes. It's a Tomb Raider game.
3: Probably. Do you explore? Uh, do you explore? <laughs> I, I don't know. I was. I'm is not going to ask that.
1: Is, that yeah. is it
3: archaeology based?
1: <laughs> yes. All right. So now we got no questions to figure out which Tomb Raider it is.
3: Is there a dinosaur in it? Yes. It's oh. a Tomb Raider?
0: Yes, it is the original nice. Tomb Raider. <laughs> okay. Man, yeah, that, that, that was had, a hard that mode. That was yeah, an I was experiment. Matt now. Ford. Matt Ford says, "I'm curious if they're oh, told they're playing on yeah. hard mode, that they can still get <laughs> easier." Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. That was really good. That was a good experiment. I'm really mad about it, but it was That's a good. Experiment.
3: <laughs> the hard mode is that it wasn't hard mode. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because my brain was definitely thinking in a different direction. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, so am I. I'm like, it's Clonoa. <laughs> do you think we
1: <laughs> stepped up our game though? And then we mean? were just that much better. You I think guys got the, got time yeah. Yeah. the time
2: constraint
0: did it. Yeah, it got in like it. three minutes.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, really two minutes left.
0: <laughs> yeah. Real hard mode. One. In the last 60 seconds, that'd yeah. be really hard.
2: Well, uh, I think it,
0: they'll, they'll cut us off. Yeah, they are going to cut us off. They're probably already, already going to get be mad that we played 20 questions on our Gamescom <laughs> <laughs> live show. Um Everybody uh, watching the stream, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, it's, it's early in the morning for us on uh, Friday. Uh, almost 9 a.m. for us. So we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, We're going to hand you over. We're going to take a quick break, then hand you over to uh, the rest of our Gamescom live coverage for the day. We will be right back.